Welcome into Honorado and Bagnardi. Chris Honorado, Sean Bagnardi. Bags, when the pandemic hit and we had to go virtual, who did I say, we have to get this guy on the show? You said you dropped the name very early, Duncan Robinson. I know, man. I'm obsessed with this guy. His game is just so much fun to watch. The story is unbelievable, too. And I know a lot of people know it already, but we'll have him tell it here on the show. The rise from D3 to playing in the national championship game with Michigan and now one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA. I might put him at the top. I know you love your boy Joe Harris, but Duncan's right there. No doubt. There's no doubt about it. All right, let's let's get him into the conversation here. Duncan Robinson from the Miami Heat, played at Williams College, Shawnee, not too far from where we are no. in Albany. Duncan, it's good to see you, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. Appreciate you guys having me on. Excited to be here. Congratulations on all your success, dude. Um, an unbelievable rise to where you are now with Miami. It's like I said, one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA. When you were at Williams and you're the D3 Rookie of the Year, I know I've read things that you said, hey, I still think I have D1 potential. Did you see this in your future? Honestly, uh, probably not. Um, you know, I, I was very fortunate to have had the opportunity to be at Williams and uh, you know, I, I loved my time there, although it was brief. Um, you know, once I stepped on campus there, I was I was all set on, on being there all four years. And just kind of how circumstances began to unfold, um, some opportunities presented themselves, and I just tried to take advantage of them. So I definitely didn't expect uh, this kind of journey or path, but I am very feel very fortunate that, uh, you know, I've had all these experiences. Talk about your little your growth a little bit as a professional because you have really, like Chris said, I mean, you are a household name now when it comes to three-point shooting. But talk about your growth from when you started to where you are now and how you feel your career has progressed in the NBA. Um, yeah, you know, it's 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 been incremental. Um, you know, I, I wasn't drafted. Uh, you know, had a, had the opportunity to to link on with a really first-class organization in Miami and. I just felt like from day one, it was a great fit. You know, they're all about development. And I felt that coming out of college, I was, despite my, my older age, you know, I was far from a finished product. And I think that, you know, I, I really felt that together, um, you know, it was, it was going to be a good match. And, uh, you know, my first year was full of ups and downs and back and forth between the G League and gaining experience uh, in the NBA and, and also, you know, playing and playing through mistakes down there. And then this past year, I had some more opportunities um, you know, down in Miami, and I just tried to take advantage of them. And, you know, confidence, it just started to grow and build and compound um, like it tends to do. So and I feel very fortunate to be surrounded by people who, you know, supported me and believed in me on uh, this organization since day one. We had one of our guys on and one of your guys, Tim Reynolds, who covers the Miami Heat for the Associated Press. And it was after the first round of the playoffs, Duncan, and he's out of the bubble. He gets home and he jumps on with us and he says, watch out for Miami. There's something about the atmosphere of the bubble that just plays into how these guys are really able to score and beat teams. Did you know going to the bubble that we might really excel in this environment? Yeah, we felt like it was a great opportunity for us. Um, you know, we had pretty much the entire team down here over that time off in Miami training and working out. Uh, it was just individual work, but still, you know, we were definitely kind of fostering that collective mindset that we were going to hit the ground running once we got there. Uh, and we really viewed it as a competitive advantage that we were kind of younger and, and willing to embrace kind of the environment um, that it was. And it certainly came with its challenges, but, you know, and in many cases, we kind of just 
uh, fell back to our leadership, guys like Jimmy, um, guys like Bam, although he's so young, a uh, huge leader for us, and uh, Udonis Hazel, a guy who's seen it all in the NBA and does so much for us uh, on and off the floor. So we really felt like it was a great opportunity for us. And, um, you know, once we started to experience some success, we started to just build confidence. And, uh, you know, that was huge, obviously, once we kind of started our run. What do you think you guys learn most from your deep playoff run that'll help you moving forward, particularly this upcoming season? Yeah, I mean, obviously the, the experience in big games. You know, we have some younger guys, and um, to make plays in, in big-time moments is obviously huge, and, a, and it breeds confidence. But I think probably the biggest thing was learning how to win games where maybe our offense isn't, isn't ticking uh, like it can't and learn how to, how to get those games in the mud because, you know, in a playoff series, you're not going to shoot it well every single game as a team, individually, you know, whatever it may be. So uh, I thought we did a really good job of, of just, just banding together and understanding that those games in the mud uh, can be won as well. So I think we did a really good job of that, and I think that was that mindset and, and really embracing that was uh, a separator for us uh, once we got into those series. Duncan Robinson is the first player to go from D3 to D1 on scholarship. He did it from Williams to Michigan. And the connection between your coach at Williams and John Beeline was kind of the perfect storm, right? I know you liked the Michigan program, the style of play with Coach Beeline, and then Mike Maker was just kind of your, your perfect in to Ann Arbor, wasn't he? Yeah, it, it was really, um, like you said, just kind of the perfect storm. You know, so many things outside of my control uh, you know, broke my way, which which I'm really appreciative of. And, uh, you know, Coach Maker, who was really the first college coach to really, really believe in me um, and see something in myself that I maybe didn't necessarily see uh, and just kind of breathe that that confidence into me as a player and really helped me grow. And, uh, you know, I was fully committed to, to playing for him and, and I wanted to stay at Williams all four years as long as he was going to be there. And, you know, when he had the opportunity to, to take another job, uh, you know, essentially a promotion and that he had a division one opportunity, you know, was so happy for him and his family. Um, it just kind of opened the door for some other opportunities. And like you had mentioned their pre-existing relationship and the similar similarity and, you know, culture and, and playing styles uh, really kind of helped um, just that, that transition. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a great experience being in Michigan and, and learning from coach Beeline uh, obviously has a, a wealth of basketball experience and has done it at the highest level on um, one um, with, with so many different teams and programs. Duncan, obviously COVID has changed the world here, man. And, and you guys and the Lakers are going to be the two teams who have to turn the page the fastest here and be ready to go in about five weeks. Uh, <laughs> do you think that helps you guys having played those highly competitive you know, NBA finals games not that long ago? Or do you think it plays to almost a disadvantage for you having to make that quick turnaround? I think there's a give and take. I think there's definitely some some positives and, and some downsides to it. Uh, like you said, you know, having the the experience obviously is is really going to be beneficial for us, and also just the fact that you know there'll be a lot of continuity. You know, we're going to bring back a, a really good group of guys and guys who were just playing basketball, you know, three or four weeks ago or whatever it is. So um, that's obviously going to help. Obviously, for some guys who who've logged big time minutes there's going to be a little bit of a of easing back into it. Um, and we, we understand that. And I think the coaching staff understands that as well, and that it's not going to be perfect and it's not going to be, uh, you know, what we've grown to, to know training camps to be. So it'll be different, but, you know, that's what this year is all about uh, in, in more ways than one. So we're, we're excited to get back. Obviously, also, it's been nice to get a little bit of downtime, but also excited to get back here, uh, you know, relatively soon. Hey, Shawnee, show Duncan your, uh, your cup you're drinking out of. We're, 
We're cheersing. There you go. Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, not a sponsor, but it does lead me to this question, Duncan. Uh, when you're in the bubble, did did Jimmy Butler charge you for big face coffee or, or could you get a free cup every now and then? Uh, so I, I don't drink coffee. Um, I, I prefer tea. Actually, I'm, I'm a tea guy. So I personally think think Jimmy's coffee is incredibly overrated. Uh, personally. <laughs> but uh, that that's just me. I mean, obviously, the, the hype speaks for itself. And um you know, he was he was playing his best basketball while drinking it. But um, with that being said, I, I personally think it's a little bit overrated. And he was making a killing too while he was doing yeah, it. Exactly. All so right, go ahead, Sean. Yeah, no, I want to ask you about. So obviously, you've got one of the best coaches in the NBA. NBA. Um, you've got Pat Riley in the organization who's got local ties to us here. What's it like being under those guys and, and the dynamic? that kind of exists between them? You know, do you hear a lot from Pat Riley uh, on the day-to-day? And, and what's it like playing for Coach Spolstra? I mean, like you said, I, I think it definitely starts from the top in Coach Riley, and, and you certainly feel the the trickle down. Um, you know, he's a to, – to put it simply, he's a basketball legend and, and has done uh, incredible things everywhere that he's been. So uh, for a guy like myself, I, I just try to listen, absorb, just be a sponge. Um, and I think that, that their relationship, you know, Coach Riley and Coach Spo, uh, and the you know connectivity that they have, really is is what breeds the culture. And that it's there's no disconnect uh, in, in what's expected, and, and guys really understand um, exactly what it means to to put on a, a Miami Heat uniform. And um, obviously, you know, Coach Spo is is pushing it on the day to day, and that that's our our most basic form of interaction because he's the head coach. Um, but it, it most certainly starts from, from coach Riley. And, uh, you know, as a young player, um, you know, it, it's really just about teaching you what it means to be a professional, how to handle your business, um, come in every single day, um, and, and just ma- maximize the hours. So I, I love it. Um, it's, I feel like it's a perfect match for me. And uh, I think we have a great group who, who are all just, just willing and, and excited to embrace that. Riley's one of the best players to come out of this area, Duncan. If you get into his office sometime soon, ask him about Schenectady. He's a, he's obviously an all-time great from, from our area. We're talking with Duncan Robinson, one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA right now. Uh, 88% of his shots are threes, and that's a good thing because he made fourth most in the league. He's also fourth in terms of percentage. You're looking at the gear, though, right now, Bags. This is on Duncan's website, DuncanRobinson55.com. Now, I want to ask you about the T-shirt on the left, the Empty Gyms tee, Duncan. It says, I'm well-equipped to play in Empty Gyms. This was before the bubble, right? Yeah, um, I think it was one of these Zoom media availability sessions, and somebody asked about if it would be weird, you know, playing uh, with with no fans. And and I was just kind of quick to to remind them that between my time in the G League um, and you know my time playing small college basketball, I, I was certainly used to playing in, in empty, quiet gyms. Um, and that's not a knock at Williams. I mean, Williams actually did a great job um, packing that packing out LaSalle, and we always had a uh, or Chandler, I should say. Sorry, LaSalle's the old one. Um, Chandler, we always had a great crowd, but some of the, the road games, like the non-conference road games, you go and play a small school and, and pretty much just be crickets uh, in an empty gym. So I've uh, I'm, I've certainly become used to that throughout my career. So speaking of that, that, uh, that shooting environment here with nobody in the seats, it, we heard so much during the bubble about how it was a shooter's paradise because the environment was the same, the conditions were the same, the lighting was the same. Being one of the best shooters in the league, did you feel that way? Did you feel like playing in that same kind of setting night after night really helped your shooting? 
Maybe a little bit. Um, if it did, it was incremental. Uh, you know, it wasn't a huge difference. I mean, the the hoop's still ten feet, on the, the three point lines is still the same distance. So, uh, obviously, the, the the different variables of uh, you know not having fans and crowd noise makes a difference for sure. But I'll probably say the biggest difference maker was um, you know not having to travel and and being able to you know sleep in the same bed every night and and develop a routine. Um, just because that probably has more effect on on your body, which ultimately affects your, your ability to shoot and make shots. So I, I would say um, that being in the bubble probably helped the, the quality of play for a variety of reasons, but I, I wouldn't say that it was just one reason, um, like you had mentioned. All right, Bags, I have a couple of questions for Duncan that I, I hope doesn't tick him off and just hang up with us here. Right. Before we do that, though, let's take a quick time out here. Duncan, hang on, man. We're back in less than a minute right now. On a- so what does Capcom have that your bank doesn't? You'll love our lower fees and great rates and a team of financial experts who put you first. What's not to love? We even make it easy to switch. Visit us and open your account today. And find out what it's like to bank where you matter most. on Honorado and Bagnardi. Shawnee will tell the people while we've got them now, we are on Amazon Podcasts. When you're at home, just tell Alexa, play the podcast Honorado and Bagnardi, and you'll hear every single episode, including this one with Duncan Robinson of the Miami Heat. All right, Duncan, so here are my two questions. And I thought about during the pandemic, honestly, because as I said in the open of the show, I've so much wanted to talk with you just because of your style of play and also your road to the NBA. So my first question is, do you believe that this was just kind of like the perfect storm for you again, that the style of play in the NBA is what it is, and you are just the perfect match for it? You're long at 6'7 or 6'8. You're an absolute dead-eye knockdown shooter, and that is so much the focus now of what teams want to do. They want to, they want to surround their best players with just guys who can absolutely knock down shots like do you believe you'd be in the league 20 years ago um yeah i mean i, I think my my timing uh, in terms of my career has certainly worked out well and that uh the way the game is has been trending within the, really the last probably you know six or seven years has definitely been through spacing uh or towards spacing and prioritizing three-point shooting so um you know i, I definitely feel that that's helped me for sure. Um, as for 20 years ago, probably not, honestly, but it, I mean, who, who's to say, I, I don't really know. Um, there definitely wasn't the, the you know priority that there is on three point shooting. So, um, you know, you're, you're probably right in that, in that my career would look a whole lot different um, if, it, if it were to take place in, in a different time uh, or a different era. But, uh, you know, obviously I can't really control that that sort of thing and that, um, you know, I just try to go out and, and, and do my job. And, and thankfully, you know, the way I play is is now valued um, and, and, and really valued and, and just kind of the trend and analytics and efficiency and all those sort of things um, has definitely kind of uh, fell in line with, with how I, I play. So, or at least my skill set. Bags, last one for me for Duncan here, and then I'll let you get the, the last one in, buddy. Um, you won a championship at your prep school, Phillips Exeter, which I know people in the Capital Region know well. It's a great school in New Hampshire. 
Um, but then you lost the D3 title game. You lost in the D1 national championship game. I know I'm, I'm drawing pain up here for you. And then you lose in the NBA finals. My question is, what does that do to the ultra competitive drive any professional athlete has? It's different than how Sean and I might be competitive in our own personal lives. When you get so close but don't win, and you're still you're still young at only 26. What does that do to really continue to fuel your fire? Oh, I mean, you know, right now I, I can I can wholeheartedly say that you know the motivation is at an all time high. Um, you know, despite the fact that just in my second year, I, I'm fortunate enough to have the opportunity to to play for a championship. Um, you know, complacency is is not at all uh, what's going on, and that, uh, like you said, you know, I, I know very well, all too well, truthfully, um, you know what it how and, and what it feels like to, to get to that point and to, to fall short. Um, so, you know, now the great thing is with, with this group, we have an opportunity to run it back. And, you know, we're, we're really, really excited about it. Um, you know, like I said, you know, for myself personally, um, it just adds fuel to the fire in that, uh, you know, getting there once um, and, and just being there is, is not what it's all about for me, but um, instead getting over that hump. And, uh, you know, like you said, I've been able to do it once in my career in, in high school, um, and, and fell short twice um, at two different spots. So, um, you know, I, I want to be known for the, the guy who gets there and wins them, not just the guy who gets there. So uh, definitely am, am excited about this year and a chance to, uh, to run it back with this group of guys. All right, my last question is just two parts here. One, what was it like being around and seeing LeBron James up close in an NBA Finals? But then part two to that, Jimmy Butler. I mean, for my money, he is – He's as clutch as they come. He's a guy like LeBron, who maybe even more than LeBron at times, So you would want having the ball, you know, at the end of the game. So part one, what was it like with LeBron in the finals? And part two, being around Jimmy Butler and having him as your team leader, do you see similarities there even between him and a guy like LeBron? And overall, how you feel about him being your guy going forward? Uh, sure, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, LeBron's resume and, and track record uh, speaks for itself. You know, he's he's been able to – to do it at the highest, highest level, win and compete um, year after year for the length of his entire career. And, you know, I don't, I don't think it looks like he's probably going to be slowing down anytime soon. So um, definitely a, some surreal moments having watched him so much growing up. And, um, you know, I have so much respect for how he handles himself and both on and off the court and, and the things that he does um, as a basketball player, but also for the league and, um, you know, for the greater good. So um, obviously, you know, just just to be a part of it um, was was special. Like I mentioned earlier, though, definitely uh, not complacent with with just being a part of it. Obviously, wanted to get over that hump, and I guess that brings us to Jimmy, um, who is, in my opinion, the the ultimate competitor, the ultimate teammate. Um, talk about a guy that you just you want to you want to be in the trenches with. Um, does whatever it takes to win. Selfless, cares about his guys. Um, probably my favorite thing about Jimmy is that. Uh, you know, he's tough and, and that he holds people accountable and he doesn't mince words and uh, he'll get on you, you know, in front of the team in public, whatever it may be. But it's really like behind closed doors where, you know, he'll put his arm around you and and uh, let you know that he cares about you. So I, that's that's the type of leadership that, that I certainly respond to. I know it's not for everybody, um, but I think he's a perfect fit for what we're doing um, and definitely the guy, um, you know, we want to roll with moving forward. He's certainly our leader and and will be here for the foreseeable future. Our guy Tim Reynolds is watching, man. He says, "Shoot it, Tom." My guy, my guy, <laughs> Tim Reynolds, man, big Tim Reynolds. Man. Yeah, he's such a good dude. Uh, I mean, he doesn't know us well, but always gives us such uh, a great amount of time 
of his personal time to, to help us out. We love Tim Reynolds too. Um, a couple of dumb ones here. If I just put you on the court at American Airlines Arena and told you where you were, but blindfolded you and gave you 10 shots, how many could you make? Um, blindfolded? Uh, it depends what spot. But so, I'll, so I'm going to put you at the left elbow on the three-point line. Okay. Uh, probably say five, maybe. Five. About that, bags. Yeah. No, no, no. And uh, Duncan, I mean, we have to see, but that, that's maybe the, that's the guess. I don't know how how real that would be, but you know, I, I'd feel pretty comfortable shooting from there. <laughs> what do you? What do we get first in the NBA? The three point line moved back or a four point line? Uh, probably the three point line moved back. I, I love the idea of a four point line. Um, you know, teams messing around with it and, and do it in their practice facilities and stuff. But yeah. um, I think maybe the first thing to happen would would have the point line be, be adjusted a little bit would be my guess i'm in for a four point line man i would love hey, you to and i both you and i both yeah cool duncan man this was a thrill really appreciate you taking the time with us here back up in the capital region of new york not far from williams college continued success man we love watching you thank you guys appreciate you having me on thank you and again check out the gear duncan robinson 55.com the t-shirts are there they're really cool man there's one because from new hampshire right? live three or die really cool yeah. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I don't know, man, about the four-point line. I, I knew you would I'm like not it. you guys on that at all. Get out of here. But I don't want to see a move back either. What I think would ultimately help the game is a change in that style of play. We talk, You talked about it, how much it suits a guy like Duncan Robinson. That's great. But I need to see a little bit more hand-checking allowed. You know, we've talked about this a lot on yeah. the show yeah. to kind of bring those shooting numbers down a little bit. But to me, it's more about letting these guys play defense. But all that said – Good for Duncan Robinson, and you're right, man. His timing is is right on coming into the league because it is made for a guy like him right now. Yeah, it just felt that way, right? Like, this is the perfect NBA player currently. He's long, yeah. makes shots. He's the perfect complement to guys like Jimmy Butler who just you can't keep him out of the lane, and he's going to create, hey, you just spot him. That's why I asked the blindfold question because if I just put you somewhere on the floor – and I told you, well, you're going to get the ball. I'm not going to let you see the rim. How many of those can you make? I love that he said five. 50%. Can you imagine 50% no. not even looking at the rim? How many could you make blindfolded at a free throw out of 10? I think I'd do okay. Uh, you uh, you know you're you – know, you, Blindfolded? Know. Yeah, maybe three or four. I was right? going to say two, but okay. Yeah. Right. We yeah. could actually try that. We could. Maybe we will. All right. It'll take this show to a whole new level of stupid. Yep. Uh, all right, good stuff with Duncan Robinson, man. I'm, I'm, I'm so pumped we got him on the show. Uh, look for more this week on Honorado and Bagnardi. Shawnee, we'll catch up with you, buddy. Sounds good, man. Thanks for watching.